And so in Mark chapter 4, this is the parable of the sower. And we're just going to read this down to, from verse 1 to verse 20. And he says, And he began to teach by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into the boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And he was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this, behold. So look, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell among the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depths of soil. So they showed a beginning production, right? There was a beginning production there. He says, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depths of soil, and after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Do y'all say root or root? Root. Who says root? Who says root? Yeah. That's, I've always found that funny. Yeah. No, just that there's a difference there. That, and some people always, they'll say it uh, like root. I've never heard it that way until I was an adult. But anyway, whether it's root or root, they didn't have any and it withered away. Amen. Verse 7. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And other seed fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And as he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand. Otherwise they might return and be forgiven." This is now if you'll notice in the uh, scripture there that it's all caps right there. So where right there where it's all caps, let's put it up verse 12 just so you can see. So Mark 4, 12. So see where it's all caps Uh, when it's written like that, that generally means that it's quoting another scripture. Right. And uh, so this is actually quoting, I believe it's a verse in Isaiah. And uh, so he's. He's quoting Isaiah to them and he's showing how this verse comes into play. Basically, you had people that were listening with their ears, but they weren't getting what Jesus was catching. Uh, They weren't weren't picking up what he was putting down. Amen. (laughs) Verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? Now, I, I want you to see something right here. Like Jesus... Did you notice that Jesus is kind of corrective sometimes? (laughs) He's like that. That's actually an attribute of God. Like, we don't like being corrected today. In our society, it is not something that's looked at as a great thing. And we generally get irritated when people correct us, right? Um, The other day, I had a conversation with somebody. And uh, they were saying something to me 
that I've actually said to other people many times in counseling. Uh, but as they were saying it to me, I was like, I don't like you saying that. I don't like hearing that. And they were correcting me. But what they were saying was right. I agreed with them. And uh, we were just having a discussion and conversation. And they didn't fully know where I was coming from. But what they could see from where I was coming from, they were giving me some, you know, well, I found that it's like this. And I was like, you're right. But even though I agreed with them and they were right, I still, my flesh was sitting there going, mm, I, I didn't like it. I, I didn't like that. So... But yet Jesus is doing that. You notice this. I mean, I've read through like I've read the Bible multiple times and come back to this and go, what did that mean again? I need to keep reading because I've forgotten. So and even after I've read the answer, I still have been where I didn't know what the answer was. And then Jesus is saying, how do you not understand this? So I'm sitting here going like, I love God. And I've read the answer before and I'm still not getting it. And here's Jesus going, how do you not get this? And which seems like, you know, well, he's kind of pushing into my business. Well, uh, if he's pushing into our business, maybe he needs to get in our business. Maybe he needs to be there. And maybe we ought to be a little bit more receptive to a corrective word. Right? This is good for us to be that. But I, I just, anyway, I just pointed that out. I've thought about that multiple times that I didn't get that, and yet he still was correcting. It's kind of like, you know, being in the middle of a death dealing storm and then having Jesus say, Where's your faith? It's like, you know, we can look at that story now and we can say, Oh, yeah, those disciples didn't have any faith, but put you in the storm. You know, put yourself in the storm. And, and see how you react. And then on top of that, have Jesus go, oh, you of little faith. And it's like, uh, right? So a lot of times we're okay with other people getting corrected and <laughs> disciples little faith. But put us in there and we'd probably be doing the exact same thing. And then you got Jesus on top of that. It's like, Jesus, quit piling on, right? You, you know, stop it. But yet... He's corrective. Why? Because he corrects those that he loves. He corrects those that he loves. He disciplines. He rebukes. He exhorts, but he corrects. So verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? <laughs> How are you going to understand anything if you don't get this? That's what he just said. I'm like... Oh, Jesus, <laughs> the, the sower, bless you, the sower sows the word and these are the ones. So what does the sower sow? The word. the word. So what's the seed? The word is the seed. Yeah. So why is it that we can have a life that produces so much stuff that people look at it and they're blessed by it and they give God the glory. How can we do supernatural things? How can we have supernatural wisdom on the job? How can we have supernatural ideas that will produce something? How can we be at peace when everybody else... Because we have the fruit of a seed that was already planted. And what was that seed? The word, the word from the Lord. It can be... Scripture, it can be the Bible, it can be something the Holy Spirit says to you. Well, I was telling, I was relaying a story uh, to uh, Ian 
the other day about our house and when we you know, went through the position of believing God for money. And the Lord told me, he said, I've given you this place for many years. And we were very, very concerned about where's this going to get paid for? You know, we had this new house and it looked like we were going to lose it according to logic. But he said, I've given you this place for many years. Now that was not scripture, but it did come from the mouth of God and hit my spirit. And I knew who was talking and that word became a strength. And I would, I would review that word. Uh, every time, if you can think about it, every time you have a word from God, every time you think about it and meditate on it, it's like watering it. It's like putting a bit of fertilizer with that word and so that it'll come up sooner and produce more. And so it's important for us to meditate on the promises of God. Like, I'm the healed of the Lord. By His stripes I am healed. The more you think on that, the more you water that word inside yourself, the quicker and the bigger fruit it produces. Right? And so here was this, we were concerned about how's this going to work. He said, I've given you this place for many years. And as we meditated on that, all of a sudden it became life to us. And we took strength and through that we produced something that most people look back at and went, how in the world did that happen? That was supernatural. And we say, yeah, but it was supernatural fruit because there was a supernatural seed of a word that we listened to. The word has to be received into soil in order for it to have a supernatural fruit. You've got to have a supernatural seed received. If you don't receive a supernatural seed, you're never going to have a supernatural fruit. So it's important to know what the seed is. It's important to be able to receive it. The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear immediately, how quick? Immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. I can't tell you how many times I have preached a message and before people got out the door, the devil is attacking that message in their head. Phone call to family, sickness when I was talking about healing, creditors when I was talking about provision. Immediately he comes to get you to uproot the seed of the word. Immediately, this is what he does. Now, this is God telling you, this is Jesus telling you, he comes immediately to steal that. He comes immediately. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Immediately they fall away. Now just a little right here, you'll notice that affliction and persecution, why does affliction and persecution arise? Because of the word, because of the seed. So a lot of times people are in the middle of reaping a harvest of what they've sown in their life and they call it affliction and persecution because they're Christian. But it has nothing to do with that. It's because they planted the wrong seeds. 
They sowed to the flesh and now they're reaping a fleshly result. And then they blame affliction and persecution. Affliction and persecution comes because of the word. It comes because of the word. So when you start moving and trying to go after the word and then affliction and persecution, now that is true affliction and persecution. That's, that's the way it works. A lot of times people, I, I've seen people like, well, I couldn't pay my light bill this, this month and, uh, and you know, the devil's just after us. No, you didn't pay the light bill because you didn't go out and find a job. That's not affliction and persecution. That's, it is important because people blame things on the wrong things. And, and so, no, it's because you sowed the wrong seeds. It's not affliction and persecution because of the word. So it's important to understand that because once you understand how things come, then you can learn how to deal with them as well. Now, that's, that's really another message, but it's a good point. So I believe somebody will appreciate that. So they have no firm root in themselves and are only temporary, when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So they receive the word even with joy, but they immediately fall away. They, they had no root there. Verse 18, And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of the world... The deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. 20. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. They hear the word, accept it and bear fruit 30, 60 and 100 fold. They hear the word and accept it. So how do you become a bearer of good fruit? You've got to hear the word and you've got to accept it. You've got to hear the word and you've got to accept it. You've got to hear the word and accept it. Now, I would add to this that you can't go back and dig it up and expect the seed to be separated from the soil. And then all of a sudden, you know, expect it to, you know, you don't take a seed, throw it on top of the uh, walkway and expect it to produce some pretty good fruit. It's not pulling any nutrients from the soil. It's, it's not there. So in other words, what I'm saying is you don't go hear the word, say, oh, well, I enjoy that. Amen. Glory to God. I received that. I've accepted that word. And then a week later, drop all faith on it. Because when you drop faith, essentially, you take that seed out of the soil. And so you're not going to have any fruit that way. But in order to bear fruit, we must hear the word and accept the seed. Hear the word and accept the seed and don't drop the seed or let go of the seed by dropping faith and don't allow it to be choked. So these are basically the keys that you have. So today we're really going to talk about accepting the word, accepting the word in accepting the seed into the soil. Now, the third, the third uh, person in here, the third person in the example, it says that the, the word are, is choked. The seed is choked by the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. So that means that the seed was heard, accepted, and even started to produce a plant, but then the things of the world came up and choked it. 
This is a position, honestly, that I found that a lot of Christians are in, uh, and they never end up producing the fruit that they need to because they, they have cares for so many other things. I never knew how big that was until once we started pastoring, it became very, very clear. Uh, I just didn't realize it. I thought everybody was all in because I, I thought that way. And I thought I was all in. I found out I wasn't all in. And, and then I thought everybody else was all in, found out they weren't all in. And, and then I realized we're just a whole bunch of lukewarm Christians in America and that needs to change. And so instead of getting frustrated with everybody else, which I did at the beginning, and that wasn't right, the Lord said, you be hot. And I went, oh. It starts with me, <laughs> right? Well, it starts with you. No matter if I'm hot for Jesus or not, it starts with you. You have your own responsibility of not being lukewarm and not being cold. You have to be on fire with God. You have to be all in. And as you do that, you won't let the other things choke it. You won't let the other things choke it, all right? But I want you to see... This I want to talk about accepting the word. So I want let's read these real quick again. So he says he sits down and verse three, chapter four, verse three. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. All right. And then go down now to verse 14. The sower sows the word and these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction and persecution arise because of the word, immediately they fall away. All right. So in looking at these two, you have basic situation of one, you have a, a picture of somebody who's a non-Christian. Now, in Matthew, I believe it is, it talks about the parable of the sower. And it talks about the, the one that falls on the ground and the birds come and pick it. It says, uh, it says that that person doesn't understand what you're saying. They don't understand it. So I think that what you can see here is that the first person that it's talking about, either one doesn't care or doesn't understand. They either don't care or they don't understand, right? A lot of times we liken that person to a non-believer who comes in. They just, they don't care about Jesus. And, we, and, and listen, you shouldn't expect for a non-believer to have love motivating him. And you ought to be prepared to receive their lack of love and give love back. Even when they don't do it right. They don't dress right, don't talk right. Uh, might even be rude, crude, and obnoxious. And you ought to be able to easily handle that, receive that in a sense, and give love back to them. That's our job. Because we ought, they ought to see something different on us, right? They ought to see something different. 
And so now it's one thing for somebody to come in as an unbeliever or a Christian who's just coming back to church and they got to get back in the swing of things, right? Uh, it's another thing for a Christian to be sitting there listening to good word for a year and just be belligerent, not changing. That's rebellion, right? Now we're talking about two different things. That's not the sheep you go running after. That's the sheep you correct, right? And, and so you don't make excuses. Well, they're just young in the Lord. No, they're rebellious. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So you, it's one thing to run after the sheep that's lost. It's another thing for the sheep to keep running off by itself. Right? If, if the sheep's lost and then you go and help it. But you try to help that one that keeps running off and tell them not. But it's their choice to keep running off. And that's, that's a part of, hey, I can't keep leaving the other sheep. To go chase the goat that wants to run off. Because a wolf might come to these other sheep. See, that's not a sheep. That's a wolf. I mean a goat. There's a difference. You got sheep, goats, and wolves. Wolves want to come in and kill the sheep, right? Sheep are the one that you're actually called to minister to. A goat is the one pretending to be a sheep. And a goat generally wants all your time. And he wants, he wants to take up all your energy and all your effort, but they never change. That's not a sheep running off. That's not a lost sheep. That's a rebellious goat. And there's a difference between the two, and you have to know how to minister to each one. I didn't know that when we started, and me and Nicole were really tired. Because we were given, if, I mean, if they made anything that sounded like a mat, we ran to them and made sure, are you okay? And we found out that was not a sheep, that was a goat. And over time, we realized we are wasting time because that person's just being rebellious. They're never changing. They're not wanting to feed on the word of God. They're just wanting to complain and wanting God to fix it all. All right. So my point is that this first layer of person can be a non-believer, but it also can be an immature believer, right? It also can be a mature believer that doesn't, that has a hard heart and doesn't really care. Remember, it's not just somebody who doesn't understand the word, it's somebody who doesn't care about it. Have you ever been in a service and somebody's preaching something and you really just didn't care about what they were preaching? Have you done it when you were an older Christian than you should have been? Yep, all of us. So in other words, we can all be that same person at that same moment. Now the other one is one who receives the seed of the word. He receives what's preached. This is the amen. This is the person who amens, everything like that. But then as soon as they walk out, they get bombarded Satan comes immediately to steal the word, but a lot of it has to do with soil preparation. All right, soil preparation. In other words, the problem is not that they got bombarded. The problem is that they had no depth of soil. They had not prepared themselves to receive the seed. So I wanted to tell you a story. There was, uh, when we moved from Greensboro... 
Uh, we wanted to plant a garden. We had moved from Greensboro to Polkton. And if you know two of those two cities, that's culture shock. Amen. It goes, you go from a, a place where stuff seems to be open all the time, or at least until midnight. And you go to a place where they rolled the streets up at about seven or eight o'clock, right? That was awesome. <laughs> I called her mid-drink when I said that. That was good. All right. So, I mean, and we were out working one day. We got done at 9 p.m. We're like, okay, we'll work till all the daylight's gone, and we're going to go get something to eat. And we, we go. <laughs> it didn't work that way. <laughs> we went out, and we went to the first place. Like, at least a gas station on the highway ought to be open past 9 p.m. No, it wasn't. It was closed. No, there was nothing open. And then we went down into Wadesboro, the only thing that was open was Joe's Pizza. Thank you, Joe's Pizza. Amen. And uh, that was the only thing. But we drove around for 30, 45 minutes trying to find something to eat. It was culture shock. We were just, we're thinking something will be open, you know. No, no. I think they've gotten a little bit better now. But anyway, so when we moved down there, we wanted to have a garden. And so we go into this place and there, this, this is, have you, you've cleared land, haven't you? Yeah. For a garden. Yeah. So here was here was this garden and we probably had about, uh, I would say, a half acre of garden space. Well, that's a lot of garden for especially for some city slickers. Right. And uh, especially when it's raw land that hasn't been tended to ever. So we go in, there's this little, there's, and see, all the country folks are going, oh, whoa, dude, uh-uh. And then all the city slickers are going, what's he talking about, right? <laughs> and, and that's okay, I'm going to tell you. So basically, the first thing is, we go into this half acre of land to plant this garden. We want to have a good fertile garden. And we go in, and we, you know, we get a... Uh, What's the skid steer? We got a skid steer in there. We got all the trees down in there. Uh, we got up as many roots as we could. I promise you we did not get all of them. And uh, we wish we would have. But we get in there. We've got this half acre where at least there's no trees and no stumps in there. Well, that was a big process to begin with. But this ground now, even though it's been disturbed, it is not ready to receive the seed. It is not ready by a long shot. We go in there and it seems like forever. We're going through, getting up roots, picking up rocks. And we start out first by tilling it, right? And this was not, what's the one, the tiller that, that is the good one? Where the, the wheels are behind or in front? Yeah, yeah. Which one's the worst one? Probably the rear tine. The rear tine? The one that just sits on the Yeah, yeah. It was... Whatever we had was old and it wasn't good. <laughs> Amen. I, I think it, I can't remember. Front time. Yeah. Front time. one. And uh, so, man, I got strong that summer. I'm telling you what. But we went through this half acre. That's a turn down, root, dig out, chop up, root. You know, and root. That's the next route. And see, if you've done it, you've done it. <laughs> you know, right? Or, or blisters all over our hands. Rock. I mean, we got a piece of machinery that's helping us. Can you imagine doing this by hand or with some donkeys? 
No. And so here we are. I mean, it took, it was like all week, rocks, roots, everything. And I mean, we had a pile of rocks. We had a pile of rocks. I mean, we're just, and this was, what, five of us working on this thing? Getting it ready? I mean, it was constant all day. And so, but this soil, it's hard. It's hard soil. It, it's, it's, it needs to be completely pioneered to receive the seed. I can remember, finally, after a week or week, however long it took us, it seemed like forever, I can remember all of a sudden at that time we went through, we finally, it wasn't getting hung on roots anymore. It wasn't getting hung on rocks anymore. There was still plenty of rocks in the soil. But as we're preparing the soil for the garden, I remember I'm going through and it just goes. And I mean, it's still shaking me, but nothing like it was the first day, you know. And we're going and I'm stronger now. My hands are sore and uh, but it's not shaking me all over. And I'm going through and I remember reaching down and grabbing some of that dirt and it was like fine dust. It was was so I was like, oh. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> this, I wasn't sure we'd ever get here, right? And we got the, the rose laid out and we got it ready to plant some stuff. And, and it received the seed. But it, in order to receive the seed, there was a ton of work that went in to getting that soil prepared. But it had to be loose so that that seed would take to the soil easy. There had to be air in there. You know, you have to have air. Oxygen has to be able to get to that. And I'm, I'm by no stretch a farmer, and I don't understand all the terms, but I know well enough that it needed to be soft soil to receive that. It needed to be a lot more broken up than it was to begin with. This is how you get roots. This is how you get to the place A lot of times it takes work in our lives. We've got to get rid of the hardness of our hearts so that the seed will take. Matthew 13 and verse 14. Matthew 13. Verse 14. Now, this is also the parable of the sower. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's like, hey, Matthew told this story differently than Mark did. He said something different, that Jesus said something different. I remember early on I had somebody say, well, whoever said that Jesus preached the message just one time? (laughs) He probably preached the same message multiple places in different places. Matter of fact, we know that he did. But Here's the thing. A lot of times we just think in lateral terms, well, he said something different in Mark than he did in Matthew. Well, he might have been at a different place. Mm -hmm. Anyway, one of the things that he says right here is this. Verse 14. In their case of the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. All right, let's just back up for a second. Verse 11 
or verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Now I want you to see that as you prepare your heart to be good soil... You will be given more. You'll be given more. This is, this is the promise that we need to see in here. I want to be the kind of person that God can't stop giving to because I honor everything he ever even begins to pass my way. I esteem it. I'm ready for it. I want to be the kind of person that he can say, well, uh, I... Who, who will take care of this gift? Give it to Brian because he always does. I want it to be easy. I want to be the default go-to for God. Lord, put more gifts in me. Send them this way. Send provision. I will give it where it needs to go. I'll be a giver. I will receive the seed. I will esteem anything you do. That's, that's the heart that we should have towards the things of God. That we are always ready to receive and do what's right with whatever he gives. Right? And he says, to whoever, whoever has, more will be given. So are you a person that's ready for the Lord to give to you? Like one of the things in the leadership training that we talk about is, uh, it, why should God send more people if you're not prepared to do what's right with the people that you have? Why should God send more if you're not ready to receive more? This deals a lot with our heart, but it also deals with the skill. So you look at it and you see, here, here's one of those things. This is what people don't realize. Oh, they're having a leadership class. So I don't need to be there. No, no, no. You need to be there because if we as a church don't learn how to operate efficiently, why should God send more people? Yep. Why should he do it if we're not leading them correctly? Not only that, but it doesn't just work in the church. It works in your job and everything else. You know, you've got to understand that it's our responsibility to be ready to receive whatever God has for us. To be ready for it. That means we grow. We hear the vision of the place. We give ourselves to the soil that we're planted in. And we do those things. People find all kinds of reasons not to do those things when we should be having a hard time. Like, you know... Like when we have a sign-up sheet you know, for something, we ought to be having to tell people, no, we've got too many. Stop the giving. Stop signing up. Because the people are ready to do those things. And, and that's not saying that we don't have good-hearted people here. It's saying that we ought to be a kind of people that are constantly giving ourselves more and more to the things of God so that we are ready and we are ready to receive whatever God has for us. We are esteeming it. And why should He give us more things if we haven't treated well what He's given us so far? Right? All right. So then he says, verse 12, For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. 
So they're seeing something, but they're not seeing something. And while hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. In other words, these this people, they're seeing a speaker in Jesus. They're seeing him preach. They're seeing miracles, but they're not seeing who he is. They're hearing a message, but they're not hearing it to the point where their heart is changed. They become hardened. So they're seeing it, they're hearing it. In other words, what Jesus effectively could have said is, they're coming to church, but nothing's changing. There's no fruit. There's no fruit there. They're coming to church, but they're not getting what I'm saying. And it's not because what I'm saying doesn't have the power to change them. It's because they're not accepting the seed. They haven't prepared themselves to receive the seed. He says, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart, for the heart of this people has become dull. So now watch this. For these people are not accepting the seed. They don't have a soil prepared for the roots to go in. Or on the top, they're just a very hard surface. And what has gotten them to this place that even though they're sitting under the message, they're still not getting them? Here's what's happened. Their hearts, the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. So in other words, what does it show right here in the Word from Isaiah, but then also said by Jesus? What does it show if our hearts aren't dull, what will happen? We will hear the Word. Our hearts will receive it and accept it and we will be healed. In other words, you will have the salvation of God. So now we have two different, two different testimonies here. One, you have a people whose heart is hardened and dull. The, the soil is not prepared. It needs to be tilled. It needs to be pulverized. It needs to be made tender. They need to have a tender heart. But because their heart is hardened, there's no salvation visiting their house. On the other hand, you have somebody whose heart is tenderized, who's ready to receive the seed of the word, and this person will be healed. This person will receive every promise of God. This person will receive it. So you've got two totally different testimonies based off of the heart of God. I mean the heart of that person. One is dull. Now I want, I want you to see something. I want you to see this is what on the physical output. I mean people can put on stuff and they do. But from the physical out, outset this is what dull looks like.
And this is how their heart is. But when they're not dull, they look alive. There's, there's something in them. There's, it's different. There's life in them. There's life there. You know what it is? It's hope. There's a hope there. Whoa, you're safe. Okay, you're okay, good. <laughs> so there's a hope in them. There's life inside of them. She's probably embarrassed now. <laughs> there's, a, there's a life inside of them. And they look alive. They don't look dull. They look alive. Now, let me, let me give you a good example of this. This is something Nicole and I both did wrong, not years ago, this morning. This morning. Yay! So we've been running pretty strong. Lots of stuff going on. You know, weddings, leadership, passports, Washington trip, driving, all kinds of stuff. You know, just stuff, right? Like most everybody has stuff that's going on, but it's been a lot recently. It was the fast and the prayer and then kickstart and then, you know, just stuff. A week before, and Justin was asking me how my week was, I was like, actually, I felt like I had a break. Although when I look back at the calendar, it was really busy, but it felt almost normal, right? And then I don't, you know, listen uh, to logic, and I have Mountain Dew last night and don't get much sleep on top of that. And then I wake up this morning, and I pull up my phone, and I look at my calendar, and it says, Holy Spirit service at 4 p.m. Well, I had in my heart and in my mind, glory to God, couch time. <laughs> and so when I wake up and I see Holy Spirit service, and I went, And I was dull towards it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really. I was dull toward it. Like, it did not pick me up to see that on the calendar. It didn't. I'm being honest. I'm being glass house. And I know that the majority of you are with me. And then I went, oh my goodness, because I've learned this principle. And I recognized as soon as I felt that, I went... That's horrible. I should not feel that way about the things of God. And I've learned that I shouldn't feel that way. And then I walked into the bathroom. I said, hey, baby, how you doing? Good. I was like, hey, um, so we have the Holy Spirit service tonight. And although I felt mine, I heard hers. <laughs> oh. Oh, what great leaders you have. Amen. But see, a lot of times people think that we just like ooze services or something like services just happen. No, we have the same feelings you do. It's what you do with those feelings that determines it. It's what you do with that. Immediately she went, oh, she went. That's not how I should be, but I just forgot. I was like, I understand. I forgot too. 
With everything else going on, I didn't look at the calendar in the last few days. I totally forgot about it. I was planning on couch time. I wasn't planning on coming and ministering to the Lord. I was ministering to me. Me. That's what I wanted. It's true. I mean, it's a fact. But again, it's not how you feel. It's what you do with those feelings. Your flesh is going to be your flesh. Your flesh is never going to want to be here. (laughs) Your flesh is never going to want to be here. Unless you're just really lonely. And you want to be around people. That generally is not the case in this crowd. We're around people. Because we're people people. Amen? Because we take after Jesus. Jesus is all about people and we see people all the time. Most of the time rest to us is not seeing people. <laughs> right. yep. mm-hmm. But your flesh is going to be the flesh. But just because your flesh, you've you got to understand this little battle that's going on, this little game between your flesh and your spirit. Your flesh is never going to want to do the things that God wants it to do. I always, I always laugh when people come in expecting to find a church that they're comfortable with. The church that you're comfortable with, the church that your flesh is comfortable with, is not a church. It's not a church. That's a social club. Or it's a worldly speaker. But it's not a church. Because your flesh is never going to be comfortable under the word. (laughs) And so I always find that really funny. So don't don't think that your flesh is going to be different and that it's always going to want to come. It's not that our flesh wants to come. It's that the renewed spirit inside of us, the new creation, the new man on the inside of us says, I know what's right and I know where I need to be and I need a word. I need a word and I need to be prepared to receive that word. I need to have a heart that's not dull. I need to have a heart that is prepared to receive the seed of the word. And then when we become a people who's prepared to receive the seed of the word, all of a sudden God can give one. But if you're not prepared to receive the seed of the word, and if you're coming in and you're, oh. Don't expect that God's going to get anything. You're going to get exactly what you're expecting. Uh, you're not, you're, there's no faith there. Well, then what is it putting a draw on? See, when we come in with a dull heart, we're going to get a dull word. But if when we come in with a heart ready to receive the word, well, God can give you some more supernatural word, Amen. some more seed. And it all comes back down to the work. See, that was the ground, but right now, that's the flesh that we've got to put down and crucify and pulverize until it is tender heart. See, I, I got all kinds of blisters breaking up that ground. And I got some more core strength by the end of that week. I'm telling you what. I got some strength. That summer, woo-wee, boy, I got strong. I got strong. Tenderizing your heart, it's work. Yeah. 
and it takes effort, and it's intentional, and you're not going to get to the place where the seed takes up full root until you give yourself to that work. Otherwise, you're going to sit there, and the more you, or, or the, the more that you don't give yourself to that work, the easier and easier it will get to become dull. Have you ever gone to a church, and, and many of you, Boomerang could be this place. I, and, and if you just look down, everybody look down. Don't look at me. Don't give yourself away. But have you ever been to a church, and when you, <laughs> when you get there, it's like, glory to God, the Word is alive. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you hear angels singing, and two months goes down the road, and you're like, I wish he'd shut up. I wish he'd shut up. I don't want to hear his voice again. And what is that? It's not that the word has changed. It is not that the word has changed. It's that our heart has changed. And you're now hearing with the ears of a hardened heart. Ooh, that's preaching right there. You're hearing with a different set of ears. You walked in at first hungry. And now you're listening with a different set of ears. Dull ears, hardened heart ears. And everybody's done that. I've done that. I've done it more times than I want to even think about. But what I did learn through the process is if I will learn what that feeling feels like and I'll recognize it quickly, I can change it quickly and I'll be more prepared for more of the time. For example, this morning... When I recognized, man, my heart was dull towards this service today. When I recognized that, I said, oh, i got to get on top of that. I cannot leave that there. Glory to God. And, and so what do you think about? I start thinking about, Jesus, you're awesome. It's, it goes back to what I was saying this morning. If God is absolute love, then what does that look like if we actually believe it? See, if I'm actually living it and believing it in fullness 100% of the time, I don't wake up and go, oh, not a service. Not, I wanted to sleep. I don't do that. I go, oh, what are you going to do in it? Now, I got there, but it took me a second. And don't fault me for having a flesh. I'm putting mine down just like you're putting yours down. And I got there, but you, have, you want to get there before you walk in. <laughs> you want and, and and help me out at least even if you still feel that way get it off your face you know you know <laughs> stay there at least get it off your face right <laughs> help me help me help you <laughs> help me but the best thing you can do is actually not just have a face change or a word change but have a heart change. That takes work. Amen. It took me being intentional. Oh Lord, what are you going to do? It's like this. I wake up, I don't even remember we have a service. Much less have I been praying about it and seeking heaven. <laughs> oh, do I have a word prepared for you tonight. Hallelujah. Oh no. No. I ain't got any of that. I've got, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? <laughs> Jesus, 
But see, then all of a sudden, when you get a heart change by intention and purpose, all of a sudden, you're like, all right, Lord, what are you going to do tonight? I mean, I even considered there for a split second. I, and, and listen, if, you're, if you wish, if you wish I would have done this, don't let me know it right now. I considered for a moment. I considered for a moment. I oh, would just cancel it. For a split second. Don't look at me. Don't look at me right now. I don't want to know if you. But hey, hey, I considered it. No, we'll just cancel it. But see, here's where the rubber meets the road. Do we minister to the Lord or do we minister to our flesh? Do we esteem the things of God or do we esteem the things of the flesh? Oh, no, it's scheduled. We're having it. There's no, no question. We're, we're going after the Lord. And if they don't like it, they don't have to show up. But I'm showing up and I'm preaching and we're going to have a good time. Well, then all of a sudden, and not only that, but Lord, what you going to do? Because I know if I'm getting attacked... Then I'm just going to shove that, you know, anytime I get attacked, I, my goal is to make the devil pay for it, right? Anytime my flesh tries to rear up and I recognize it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you want to play? We're just going to turn this on your sorry tail and we're going to make you pay even more. So I'm like, now I'm getting excited. What are we going to do? What's going to happen at the Holy Spirit service? I'm excited. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good, right? And so I'm looking forward. Well, when that expectation starts to rise up, well, what's God do? Now, all of a sudden, that heart's not uh, dull anymore. That heart, that heart is ready to receive something. All of a sudden, Lord said, let me give you something. Because now faith is there. It's drawing. Oh, give me more of you, Lord. And now God can meet that. And He can plant something. So I changed my heart intentionally. I get over here during worship this morning. He says, I want, to, I want you to talk about a tender heart, fertile soil. I want you to talk about it. And if they'll grab it, they'll never be the same. Amen. That's the word the Lord told me. If they'll grab it, they'll never be the same. Oh, we're talking about life-changing stuff for everybody that hears this message. Oh, we went from a service that was almost canceled that made me sigh heavily <sighs> to all of a sudden we're talking about a life-changing service. Life-changing. And it all was, how do you respond? What do you do? How do you deal with the flesh? How do you esteem it? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 3. A hardened heart, one that is infertile, has these things attached to it. There's a lack of rest. It's offended. It either doesn't know God or it has no faith in Him. You see, that person that comes in that doesn't know anything about God, they really don't care what the preacher's saying. And so because of that, they're not even hearing what's being said. The seed falls on hard ground. They don't get more out the door before the devil swoops down and scoops it up. 
The other person that hasn't prepared their, the heart, they haven't pulverized the soil of their heart. They may amen it while they're sitting in there hearing the word, but there's no root there because they haven't done the hard work. They haven't been intentional. They haven't purposed themselves to pulverize the soil so that it will then produce fruit. They haven't taken the time to examine, is this my flesh or is this my spirit? And you have to start, I want you to start thinking about the times where you've had a hardened heart. And, and if you look back at it honestly, what are the symptoms of that hardened heart? What does it look like? What does it feel like? But the reasons are, you see, that there's no faith in a hardened heart. There's no expectation in a hardened heart. There's generally uh, an, uh, a bitterness and even an offense. A lot of times, and what you end up is, they don't have any rest on them. Everything's hard. Nothing's easy and light. Like easy and light, as we've talked about that, it's such a great revelation. But if you keep talking easy and light, but you never move to easy and light, what good is it? What good is it to talk about easy and light if you don't actually move there? And you want to get to the place where you start recognizing easy and light as a symptom of being in or out of the will of God. But you've got to get to that place. I think I've heard most everybody here that's been here for any period of time talk about being easy and light. But if you're not actually living easy and light, then what good is the revelation? You've got to move to the place where you actually start living it. But see, a lot of times we're living in hard, even though we know to be in easy and light, we're still living in hard. And that hard place in our life is a precursor of a hardened heart. And because we won't take the time to dig out the roots and the rocks, the soil still remains little. And then even the greatest word preached, even by Jesus himself, is then the plant is then scorched. And that's what happened. The greatest preacher ever on this earth was in front of some of the people that had more knowledge about God than anybody else. And because of the hardened heart, there was no fruit. Isn't that tragic? It's a tragedy. And yet, that's exactly... Matter of fact, they went on to kill him. They actually, in their minds and in their hearts, Jesus became their enemy to be killed. So deception can come simply from a hardened heart. Where you start classifying things completely out of place. Simply not, not because you're a bad person at the, at the core, but because of hardened heart that's not dealt with. Isn't that powerful? That's huge. I've seen people pissed off at me and Nicole. I mean ticked. We never did anything too. But they got a hardened heart. And there was no talking to them because their heart was hardened. A hardened heart can actually deceive you so quickly. And that's because a lot of people don't take the time to work on their heart. To get out the roots and get out the rocks. Look at this here. This is Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7 through 13. It says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. 
As in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Now, it's interesting when I read this here, when it says where your fathers tried me by testing me. This is very similar to the words that were used in the same people that tested Jesus by asking him for a sign. When they asked him for a sign, it says they, they tried him, they tested him. And what they were trying to do was to prove reasons not to believe in him instead of looking for reasons to do it. We can do that not only with Jesus, but we can do it for pe with people too. In other words, let's say, that, let's say that Barrett just gets on my nerves, which you don't, but let's say that she does. Let's say she gets on my nerves and I stop looking for a reason to believe in her and love on her and I start looking for reasons to not be her friend, I've just moved into the place of a hardened heart. It's the same hardened heart that we apply to a person that we can apply to God as well. And that will deceive us. I've watched people do that before. I've watched myself do it before. And, and all of a sudden, I don't know why I just don't like her. And I did it to myself. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't her. It was me. It was my own heart. And it's deceptive and it deceives. So here it is, just like the people that were looking for a sign. Give me a sign so that I might believe in you. They weren't trying to do that. They were trying to find reasons how people couldn't believe in them. And in the love chapter, it says this. It says, love in the Amplified, it says, love believes the best. It's looking for reasons why to love on them, not reasons why not. It's looking for reasons to believe in them. Not separate yourself. It's looking, how can we come together? Not how can we step apart? This is the symptoms of a hardened heart versus a fertile soil, a pulverized soil of a heart. Thank you, Lord, for this message. So I'm being so blessed by it. He says, where your fathers tried me and... And by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. Now, look at this. The people of Israel, they saw more of God's ways than almost anybody else. And yet God himself says about them, they didn't know my ways. What? Seeing, they didn't see. And hearing, they didn't hear. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You think God's changed his heart on this? All of a sudden, all right, you have a hardened heart. And I didn't let the Israelites go into the promised land. But now if you have a hardened heart, I'm going to let you. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Now, he'll give them everything they need to believe. But we're not going to enter into the rest of God with a hardened heart. We're not going to enter into that place of easy and light when our heart is dull towards Him and His things. How in the world would we get to a place where there's a word tonight if I was sitting there going, Oh, golly. I don't want to be here. So I had to get that changed. 
Because what was coming out of me was, was a part of who I was, was a part of my core, the part of my heart, right? The core of who I am. And even though I might not in my mind want to be that person, that's what came out. And so if that's what came out, now I've got to deal with that. I've got to, you know, get the roots up. I've got to get the rocks out. I've got to continue to pulverize that soil until it gets to the place where, man, I am fertile soil for the seed of the word of God, where I'm ready. So I've been, ever since that moment when I woke up this morning, I looked at my calendar. Man, I've been, I've been meditating on that all day long. Oh, no, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be so ready. Lord, I praise you. I honor you. How dare I think that serving you is a chore? This is not a chore that anytime you hear that serving the Lord is a chore, that is a symptom of a hardened heart. That is a symptom of a hardened heart. And every single one of us have had a hardened heart. Don't get condemned over the hardened heart. Recognize the symptom and then let's grow together. Let's go about it together and get to that right place. I think all of us have felt that at some point. This is a chore. This is not what I want to be doing right now. Our flesh talk versus our spirit talk. A lot of times we become so accustomed. We become so accustomed to listening to our flesh. That's the only voice we hear. We think that that voice is us when it's actually the corrupted man, not the new man. But we've grown so accustomed to hearing that voice. We think that's the only voice that we have. And we've got to give ourselves that. And that comes from generally not spending time in his word and not spending real quality time with him. Again, you can be in his word. You can be praying and you can actually be meditating. But your heart be dull in the middle of it. You're not doing it. You're wasting time. Because your heart's not actually given to the Lord. You think you're actually it can be worse because now you think you're holy when you're actually not receiving it. It can lead to deception where you would kill the king of kings. A hardened heart. He said, I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Verse 12, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. It's a falling away. That dullness of heart, it's a falling away. Is this convicting anybody besides me? Because I'm like under some major conviction. And that's good. That's a good thing. And it, this, this, is the, this is the work. When you, when you give yourself to the tenderizing of the Holy Ghost. And you know what? This is so much easier than if you go off in life and don't give yourself to it. Because if you don't give yourself to it, what you're doing is you're not judging yourself. And then a corrupted world gets the right to judge you. You don't want that. God doesn't want that for you either. So he gives us the strength to get under the tiller. He gives us the strength to find the roots and find the, the rocks. He gives us the strength to withstand a pulverizing of the soil of our heart. And then all of a sudden, a supernatural word can produce a supernatural fruit. 
Take care, brethren, verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you. Take care, boomerang, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Listen to this. Now, here's something that will help us. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see our part in this? Take care to encourage one another. To encourage one another. I, I'm going to tell you, the Lord just told me to tell you something. Because he's, he's shown this to me, but he just spoke it really plainly to my heart. I, as a pastor, have not done this verse enough. I have not encouraged you enough day after day. I'm talking to each one of you individually as a pastor. I've not listened to this verse enough in my life to encourage you as much as I should have. And right now in front of you and in front of the whole world, I repent for that. I apologize to you and I'm sorry. And I've been wrong not to do it more. And maybe some of you think that that's not even true, but I'm telling you, I could have done it more and there's times when I should have. And I'm sorry. And I apologize. I wasn't planning on doing this. This is straight by the Holy Ghost right now, but it's true. And I want you to take that lesson from me as well. And I want you to take that same encouragement and give it to others just like that as well. To encourage one another. Our job, we can help each other. Keep from a hardened heart if we will encourage one another. Instead of, it's just like the situation I was, the, you know, the example I was using a while ago with Barrett. If I would look for reasons not to separate, but look for reasons to encourage, I can help her with a hardened heart and she can help me with a hardened heart and I can help you and you can help me and we can help each other and we can become a people that none of us walk in a hardened heart. We can become a church where there's not one hardened heart within us because we encourage one another. We lift each other up and we will not stand for anybody being beat down. We will not stand for any part of the world beating up on one of our family members but we will encourage one another and we will walk out of the of a people of hardened hearts and enter into a place where all of us have a tenderized heart of God. That's us. That's who we are. Amen? That's who Boomerang is. People who encourage one another. You got this. God's got this with us. You're going to be okay. You can do this. I know it feels this way, but in the truth of the matter, it's easy, it's light, because God is going to carry the weight. And although you may feel it at the moment, your flesh is trying to rear up, I'm with you in this. I'm helping you. I will bear the burden with you. Galatians 6, 2. Bear the burdens of one another. I'm standing with you. I'm fighting with you. You know, there's nobody who will pray... Like anybody else will pray for themselves. A lot of times if you're going, have you ever had that thing where the prayer request comes through the line and you're like, okay, Lord, yes, mm -hmm, please bless them. But if it was you, you'd be hitting your knees at night. You'd be in the morning, you'd be praying. And, and why aren't we doing that? This is what I'm talking about, repenting in some, there's a part of it, right? Is 
Why aren't we doing that when, when somebody has something? Why am I not hitting my knees like it was me? Like it was me. One of the, one of the most kind and the things that touched my heart the most since I've been pastoring. I mean, it lifted me up. It meant something to me. I, I mean, it touched me in a way just it blessed me so much. Was, was a time when Chris, multiple times, multiple times, he asked God, Lord, let me see with the eyes that Pastor Brian has. Let me see what he goes through. In other words, what he was saying is, let me become familiar with the weight so I can help him carry it. That's what he was saying. That was, that was encouraging. He was not, and, and just look, sometimes just having somebody who understands is a blessing. I'm telling you, I've told you a bunch of times about that. It blessed me, but I haven't forgotten it and I won't forget it. It blessed me. It blessed me. Why? Just simply because there was somebody who could understand the weight a little bit better. This is what we're supposed to do is encourage one another, lift one another up in these things. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Verse 19. So we see that they were not able... To enter because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. A hardness of heart is, an un, is a heart of unbelief. This, I, I talk about this you know, in marriage and relationships and particularly divorce. Right? When, when, a couple, when a couple comes to the place of divorce, a hard heart is a heart of unbelief. And many times what I face in a couple is not that God can't restore it. God can restore it. With God, all things are possible. It's not that God can't restore it. It's that the couple doesn't believe that he can. Their heart has hardened towards the potential of God. And that's the problem. They cannot see how God would fix it any longer because they've hardened their heart towards it. And that's not what they want to hear at that moment. But it is the truth and will bring freedom if they'll hear it. And this is, this is what we do with the Lord. A lot of times you know, you've, you've watched people come up for prayer and, and I'll say, what do you want me to pray for? And they'll say, you know, X, Y, Z, I want you to pray for this. And I'll say, okay, in the name of Jesus. And, and I'm releasing the power and the anointing of God. Well, what's the anointing going to do? It's going to break that yoke. We get done with prayer. Amen. That thing is done. And then they'll say, but what you don't understand about it is blah, 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 blah. And what have they just done? They've just shown that their heart was hardened towards God, that anything just happened. What you needed just occurred, but now you've stepped right back into it. You will not enter into His rest. You will not enter into salvation because your belief is that your problem is bigger than God and it needs some special touch. It doesn't need some special touch from God. It just needs God. 
done. It just needs God. It just needs who He is. That's all. But you won't enter that place of rest. You won't enter that promised land. You won't enter that salvation with a hardened heart. A heart of unbelief. Turn one chapter over to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter rest, enter it, its rest, he's talking about. And those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. So they had the good news preached to them. They had the supernatural word preached. They had the, the seed sown on the soil, but their heart was not prepared to accept the seed. And because their heart was in fertile soil, there was no supernatural fruit. And they failed because of disobedience. In other words, a lack of faith is disobedience. And a hardened heart is disobedience. Again, what does that hardened heart feel like? Remember? See, when we walk into the... Listen, this is so important. When we walk into these doors on Sunday morning and we're walking in like this and we're all beat up already, that's disobedience. That's a hardened heart. That's a heart of unbelief. And then we wonder why God doesn't show up the way we want Him to show up. We know He can. But we're wondering why not. And when it's all on us. Because we're going, God's already done the things. He wants to show up more than you want Him to show up. That's His heart. But when we walk in like this, now we might not, we might be putting on a church face now. But that is not what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter what the face or what the words say. What matters is where's the heart at. And when we walk in and our heart is in this position... That's a heart of disobedience. It's a heart of sin. It's a heart of sin. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know many churches that preach this kind of message to a congregation. I know a few. Get it, man. But I don't know many. And, and you start to see why churches are the way that they are and why they really offer no life to anybody because people are walking in every day. The ones who are supposed to be believers full of hope, they're walking in in disobedience. I don't even want to be here. I understand that. But don't let it sit there. I've been that guy this morning. But don't let it sit there. Deal with it. Find the root in the soil. Find the rock and clear it. Pulverize it and get it ready to receive the seed. Verse 7. Again, he again fixes a certain day today through David... After so long a time, just as been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice. We should be hearing his voice uh, every day. But he's saying today you can enter into that rest if you will not harden your heart. It's not that your flesh won't try to present a hardened heart. It's whether or not you deal with your flesh. On that issue. 
And going on to verse 11, I want you to see this. Verse 11 says, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. What's he saying? Let us be diligent to tenderize. Let us be diligent to pull out the roots. Let us be diligent to do the work to get the rocks out. Let us be diligent to pulverize the hardened soil that the world has taught us. Let us be diligent to enter into that rest. But you don't get to that rest with a hardened heart. You only get to that rest. You only get to the salvation. You only get to the healing. You only get to the provision. You only get to the protection, the restoration. You only get to the deliverance with a heart that's ready to receive and accept the seed of the word. And you won't get to those things with a hardened heart. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall. No one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Let us be diligent so that you don't fall. You don't have to fall. You don't have to have falls in your life. And it comes by dealing with the soil of your heart. Dealing with the soil of your heart prevents you from falling. God's not a respecter of person. He's saying, look, if you will deal with the soil of your heart, you won't fall anymore. You'll start, stop having these times. It's not that you won't have persecutions or affliction, but they won't even be a barrier to you. You'll just plow right through them. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirits of both joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word sees you for who you are. You can think all day long about who you think you are, but the word sees the truth. It even sees the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You're not pulling the wool over the Holy Spirit's eyes. And if he says, you won't enter into my rest, you won't enter into my salvation with a hardened heart, you're not going to fake it to the Holy Ghost. Well, I was in faith. No, you weren't. Well, I, was, I, was, I put all that sin behind me. No, you haven't. You're not, you're not faking out the Holy Ghost. He sees it all. So that it becomes imperative that we step up and say, this is what's really going on with me. Let me tenderize my heart. This is what's really going on. I'm dealing with this. This is what I felt like this morning. This is what Nicole sounded like this morning. This, it's okay to, to see that you still have a flesh. It's just what you deal with. But then don't just keep on putting on like you're holy and checking the holy box. Actually turn to the place where you're changed so you can enter into that rest. 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our hard heart. 
He can sympathize with it. He's felt the pull of the flesh in that direction, but he knew how to handle it, and he knows how to help you handle it too. And because we have a high priest that knows how to do all this stuff, let's turn to him. But one, he's one who's been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you're feeling that pull and the dullness of a hard heart, that's the time more than ever to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your help. I need you to help me. Help me bring this thing back alive. Help me help me turn from the dullness and turn from a heart of disobedience and a, and a heart of disbelief. And help me turn. Let me see you for who you are. Help me to see clearly. Lord, help me to knock off everything that's deceiving me and trying to get me to do and go the ways of the flesh and let me go the ways of your Holy Spirit. Many times I hear people pray these prayers. Lord, help me, help me to believe more and help me. And and one of the prayers in the word is, and the Lord will help us. But Lord, help me to get a tender heart. Let me help me to not be so hard hearted. Help me to be excited about your word. But for the most part, this is not God's job. He's given you the grace through Jesus Christ for you to apply the grace. It's our job to tenderize our heart. You know, the, the, the symptoms or, or what a hardened heart brings about is unbelief. It's not God's job to raise faith in ourselves. It's our job to get in the Word. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. To see God for who He is. To see is absolute. Like what we were talking about a little bit this morning. It's not God's job to get all up in our business and be like, have us as a puppet. Oh, hallelujah. And He's puppeteering us. That's not the way it works. That's what we want them to do and that's how we pray so many times in the past. Like he's going to make us, you know, march to his own beat. No, he wants you to do it because you love him. He wants you to, to give it out of love. Love is the thing that empowers it, not him making us do that. It's us who has to put the flesh down and with intention and purpose see things for the way they are. No matter if God ever gave me another thing in, my, in the world for the rest of my life, I have everything to praise Him for for eternity. And we all do. Amen. I mean, we ought to literally be able to say, let's praise Jesus and I have to quiet you down. Because you are so ready to praise Him. But the hardness of our heart makes us sit. Okay, stand up. That's the dullness. That's the hardened heart. Tender hearts are our responsibility to have that tender heart and to have that soil that's ready. But let me ask you, how can you be responsible for something that you don't recognize? So if you don't hear preaching on this, how are you going to recognize, oh, I know what's going on. I've got a hardened heart. 
If you don't hear the word preached on it, it'll be hard for you to even see it. But then even if you hear the word, uh, how do you know that you're in it? Like, what does that feel like? What does it look like? I'm going to give you some symptoms of what a hardened heart looks like. See if you've ever felt one of these before. Today is okay if you felt it today. Dryness. Have you ever felt dry? Just dry. Like I'm, I just need something. Dry. Sometimes it can be because somebody's not preaching the word. A lot of times it's got to do with a hardened heart. I've seen it where somebody wasn't preaching the word. And I've also seen it where I wasn't receiving even though they were preaching the word. The seed was there. It was me. It was the hardened heart that made me dry, that made me hungry for something. Even though I didn't know what it was, it was hard for me to put words for it. But something just wasn't right. That can be a very clear symptom of a hardened heart. You're not receiving the nourishment because a heart of unbelief is not prepared to receive the seed that has all the nourishment in it. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at it going, why am I hungry? Why am I dry? And it's because of a hardened heart that's blocking it. Seeing you don't see and hearing you don't hear. You're mad. You know, now all of these, they can be, you know, every now and then somebody can get mad one day and it's the first time they've been mad in three years. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just kind of ongoing, like you just mad, like something that just doesn't seem to go away. And even though maybe just every few months it just picks up again, that can be a symptom of a hardened heart. Why? Because if the seed is within you, it's producing something that brings you peace. It's bringing you that peace. How about bitter? Here's some symptoms of infertile soil and a hardened heart. Dry, mad, bitter, angry. Just angry. I'm just irritated. This can, this can have everything to do with not receiving a supernatural seed. I'm just bitter. I'm not being fed. How about this? I, I don't have time to think about God. And you might not say it like that, but what, what actually happens in the fruit is, when's the last time I was thinking about God in the middle of my day? I don't remember. And the reason why you're not thinking about God in the middle of the day is because you've got nothing in there because you've had a hardened heart. You've had a dullness. How about this? You're offended. A lot of times I've found, you know, here's a hardened heart. It's somebody else's fault. Not me, somebody else. That can be a symptom of a hardened heart. Because what you're doing is you're looking to blame somebody for the dryness that you're feeling. Chronically tired. Chronically tired, not just tired one day because you drink a Mountain Dew, but you're just chronically, it's ongoing, like I'm constantly tired. Nicole and I both have had this before, where both of us are sitting there, and we're just like tired, we're just like, I'm tired, you know? She's cried to me before, I'm just tired, right? I've cried too, but I turn my head up, I'm tired too. <laughs> Don't look at me. No, I, and we've been, and all of a sudden, what, what? Why are we tired? Because we've not been refreshed. 
because we've had a hardened heart and we haven't been ready to hear from God. A hardened heart can be this. I think we, we experience this on a regular basis. This can be a symptom of it is we don't want to spend time with God. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've actually talked to certain people and all of a sudden it's like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk with God. I don't want to go talk to him right now. I'm scared. He knows that I'm all messed up. I'm all messed up. And what we are is we have no belief that he'll be merciful and he'll help us. And because of that, we don't want to go be with him. We have, we have a hardened heart of unbelief that he won't give us what we actually need or he won't be merciful in that. There's no desire to fellowship with Jesus or the word. It's hard to pray. Or even if you pray, it's like there's nothing to it. There's no life to it. How about this? There's no praise on your lip, lips. And there's no good news abounding. In other words, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Now, some people tell people about Jesus every day, but they still have a hardened heart in other areas. But this is things that should be coming out from us all the time is a praise and a telling of the gospel, a telling of the good news. It ought to be hard for us not to tell people about Jesus. And the reason is because we're getting fed by him so much and nourished by him so much that it's hard for us not to talk about him because he's invading every area of our life. And if we don't have that, a lot of times we don't have it because of hardened heart. Is blocking the nourishment. I don't know about you, but I've found myself, I think, in all of those places at some point. I found myself in all of that. And I've learned that as soon as I feel the dullness, like I did this morning when I woke up. As soon as I feel the dullness of a hardened heart, as soon as I feel that, I start dealing with it. I start tenderizing the soil of my heart. I don't let it linger. I start preparing myself to hear. As a matter of fact, today, I enjoy exercises like this. I, I like this now. Used to, you couldn't have paid me to do it. But I like this. I just heard uh, a lesson on, uh, I don't know, let's say I just heard a, you know, a, a series preached by Pastor Brian. 20 lessons on healing can be yours. And then I get in the mail a new package from my favorite preacher or teacher. Open it up. Healing. Great. Right. I love going, nah, flesh, you're eating that. Ow, and put it in, right? Here's a CD. Here's this teaching. I'm going to put it in some more. Why? Because what am I doing? I'm keeping myself. And I'm not just going to listen to it with a hardened heart. I'm going to put it in. I'm going to enjoy it. This thing is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. The other day, I was listening to um, the same, same message. I was listening to Bishop David Oyedepo. And it was he's talking about the word, Right? He's talking about the word, the Bible, the, 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 the fresh word of God. He's talking about the power of the word. That's where he was talking about the seed, uh, the, um, the right now word, right? The, the season, the word in season. That's when he was talking about that. And so, man, word, part one in the series. Awesome. 
so good. I was like, oh, this is so good. Part two, pretty good. Not quite as awesome as part one, but pretty good. Had a lot of good stuff. Some of the stuff he repeated, but it was good. Part three, I found myself, I want to go to another topic. I want to go to another topic. No, 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 flesh. We're going to put, go back to the word. I'm not going to get hardened in my heart towards this. I, as a matter of fact, I'm going to make myself be esteemed and esteem this word. I want to hear it. I want to make sure that I take the time. That I'm not just driving and, and like I don't, I'm listening, but I'm not really listening. I want to make sure that I hear every single word. And if I don't do it, I'm going to rewind it and listen to it again. I don't care if it takes me five hours to do a one hour teaching. I'm going to make sure that I esteem every sentence. This is how you work on yourself. This is the picking up, getting those roots out of you. You do it. And here's the funny thing. There's like a hundred messages left in the word. I'm not kidding. He, I got, he got, he has 12 pillars. I, I got 12 pillars on each disc was a hundred MP3s on average for each one. Every pillar, one was the word, one was the spirit. A hundred messages on average on each one. Well, by the end of it, you ought to know something about the word, but you're not going to know it if you have a hardened heart and if you don't esteem it. So how many? Bless you, bless you, bless you. (laughs) Amen. So how many people have been convicted over a hardened heart? And do you see the importance of it? Because without, if you have a hardened heart, you're not getting nourishment. That means you're not feeding nourishment. You're not encouraging others. That means you're not entering the place of rest. That means you can be deceived. And it all comes down to us dealing with how do we esteem the things of God. And it takes work. And it takes intention. It takes purpose. And you may feel like you have blisters on your hands. And you may feel like you've gotten a workout from it. But the more you give yourself to that process, here's what happens. You become a soil that's ready to receive a supernatural seed. And as the the tenderized heart receives a supernatural seed, you become ripe. To produce a supernatural fruit. And now the power of God gets to be released in your life. In the ways that you've only dreamt of. And not only that. But then you can take that fruit. And you can offer it to other people. And it can be real. You can take that fruit and you can give it out and give God the glory for it. You can take that and you can pray over somebody and they're healed and they're delivered and they're protected and they're restored. You can pray and their finances will completely turn 180 degrees. But all of it comes from working on yourself and giving yourself to letting the Holy Spirit help you tenderize your heart. So right now, I just, Nicole's going to come take the offering. But Father, we just hand ourselves over to you. Lord, shine your light on us. Show us the areas right now where we need to give ourselves over to be tenderized by you. Lord, we repent 
for a hardened heart. We repent over a heart of disobedience. We repent over not being excited and not esteeming your things. Not being ready to minister to you because we didn't even want to be there. We repent and we change and we go back the other direction. Lord, we honor you and we esteem you. And your word says in 1 Samuel 2, those who honor me, I will honor. Lord, honor us as we honor you. And we make a commitment tonight to change from the ways of a hardened heart to a tenderized heart, fertile soil for a supernatural seed to produce a supernatural fruit. And we will walk in those things and honor you. And you will honor us. And by faith we receive that. In Jesus' name, amen.